Welcome back, everybody. And if you are joining us for the very first time, welcome to the show. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the show, Andy and I are super excited to dig into a topic that has come through the mailbag in various styles repeatedly. And I think this is going to be one of those episodes where a lot of my friends out there might be sitting and listening and thinking, is this my clinic? Are they talking about me? Because this is something we've certainly seen a lot. We are talking about what happens when we have a new team member who is still in their introductory phase, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days, but there are some struggles. And unfortunately, we have kind of let the probationary period slide. And now it's time to sit down and have a review and talk to them about all of the things that we've not yet really talked to them about. And so it often has a negative tone and feels really icky. And we are going to dive into how do we how do we deal with that? So if that sounds like something you're interested in, let's get into it. And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke. And Stephanie, don't be a punk goss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one because I have a feeling I'm going to get fired up today. I know. I could tell what we were talking about before. I was like, she's going she's gonna to get feisty here. I, I am. I am. Like, this, don't be uh, a punk. And I was like, oh. Don't be a punk. <laughs> All right. How's it going, Andy? Oh, man. It's it's crazy. My, uh, I just, we may have to keep this down because uh, my wife's got some work stress. Oh. And I can tell because she's cleaning everything. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like she got the foaming bubbles out and like she was, I was in the bathroom talking to her and she was just going to work cleaning countertops. And like she, I mean, my wife is wonderful, wonderful. Uh, she does heavy duty cleaning when she's stressed. And Whoa. so, and, and like, that's when she does it. And also Allison Rourke is like one of the most uh, natural clean household product kind of people that I know. And if oh, she's yeah. got the foaming bubbles, like, you know, oh, yeah. that she's attacking stuff. Yeah. They're like non, they're non, yeah. Non-environmentally friendly cleaning <laughs> agents. You're like, oh man, she's really, she's really, oh, she's man. got a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, the semesters that she done now, or is it winding down the semester? She, she's like, grading, she's grading exams. Uh, yeah. She's grading exams and final papers, which is, I think, which is why, uh, really that's the other thing, you know, that you're deep in the procrastination barrel when you're like, I think I really need to clean this clean bathroom. Clean the bathroom. <laughs> I really like, <laughs> and feel not like even I should like, do this. Not even like your main bathroom upstairs, but like no. the, the basement bathroom. <laughs> Just like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I guess this is as good a time as any. It's like, wow, you really are tired of grading these papers. <laughs> That's fantastic. Like, yeah, I get, the, yeah, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, man. The kids only have a couple more weeks of school and I'm like, oh, freedom is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to feel a lot like the rest of the year at our house. <laughs> like freedom from what exactly? The kids are still going to be here. Everyone's going to work on screens. Yes, but we can go outside. At least here in Washington. Like this is the time of year that, that we that we live for is the fact that it's not pouring down rain every day and we can go outside. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm excited, and I am definitely feisty for this one today. Um, All right, go ahead, lay it on. Let's get into this. We have gotten a handful of uh, things that have come in through the mailbag, and they all have a similar theme, which is that um, there are some managers or practice owners out there who are struggling with uh, newer employees who are performing less than perfectly. And there was a handful of them that were all um, fairly similar in the sense that they have a technician or a kennel team member or CSR who is new to their position and who um, there was a couple of them where the person has got some, um, maybe some medical issues or some health issues going on and who has asked, uh, you know, for some time off or who has called out sick already. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us struggle with when someone, I know that I've been there, like when you don't feel good, um, particularly if you have something uh, new going on, like if you're dealing with a, going through something serious on a medical perspective, uh, which I've been in those shoes or dealing with a chronic condition, sometimes you just have days where you feel like garbage and that impacts how you interact with your team. And we had a couple that were just like, hey, I've got this employee, they're new, they've already missed some shifts. And now they have been negative with clients, or they were super snappy and caused problems with another team member. And so these are all team members who have similar things going going on. And all of them were asking, do I just cut bait and let them go now? Because this is a sign of what is to come. And I got so fired up about that and wanted us to talk about it because I see it a lot. I see so often where um, someone posts in one of the communities I'm in and they're like, hey, I have this new employee and they're within their 90 days and they've been less than perfect. So I should just fire them, right? Like this is this is the writing on the wall. I should just go ahead and let them go. And it makes me so mad. And so I want us to talk about it. Like, how do we how do we deal with it? Particularly when the inclination, whether it's coming from the manager or the practice owner um, of like, let's, let's deal with this person, but let's deal with them kind of passive aggressively. So I see a lot of people um, having an employee who's acting less than perfectly and their way of quote unquote discipline disciplining them is to um, not actually talk to them about it, but to like reduce their schedule or just make, give them the crappy schedule in hopes that they'll quit and I don't have to fire them. And really we got a couple of those, like the the writing's on the wall, right? I should just make them miserable and get them to leave their position. And I really just wanted to talk that one through with you because it's something that just makes me so mad. And I'm hoping that you might be able to give me some counterpoints to like think about and calm down with the feistiness (laughs) because maybe there is some justification for how we manage employees out of a job when they're not performing well i don't know yeah well we can talk about that uh but before we do i need to talk to you about your schedule um i'm gonna (laughs) gonna need you to make podcasts after midnight um just so you know by yourself okay i need you to make podcasts by yourself after midnight no, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at all. I'm happy to talk about this with you. Um, let's start with the first part, which is the employee that's fairly early on and not ideal. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going, is this the writing on the wall? Yeah. 
And then we can also throw in, let's make this a little bit more interesting. Let's throw in the medical illness thing as well, which we don't know a whole lot about. And we don't want to know a whole lot about I mean, seriously, I don't want to know. Like, you know, there's there's HIPAA stuff. There's this, you know, there's employer, employee, privacy thing. I do not want to be all up in people's medical histories. And that makes my life a bit easier. And I'll I'll talk about why. This is one of the things where leaning back sometimes does make life uh, a little bit easier on us. And so we'll Mm -hmm. talk about we'll talk about that. The the first thing I want to say. So let's talk about start with headspace. Okay, life is messy. Yeah. The world the world is a messy place. It is not beautiful, clean, good guy, bad guy. Um, make this decision, make that decision. This person got what they deserved, and so did this bad person. They got what they deserved. It just let's fix this uh, problem, and all these other problems are just going to go away. It it do, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So life is messy, and when you get into things like this. It continues to be messy. And we're going to talk about, you know, kind of the um, parsing all of that apart. But I just want to say, based on what I'm hearing and seeing here, you know, I don't there's not a good guy and a bad guy. Yeah. I generally this is not an employee who's trying to pull something over on the employer. And you know what I mean? And that that's not that's not how this is the the manager who's like let's cut their schedule or put them you know in this shift they don't want i don't think that person is evil trying to harm this person i think they probably they just don't know what to do yes that's what that's what i choose to believe i choose yes. i choose to believe that just the world is messy there's not always a simple answer and and most people are trying to do their best and i just it helps me to walk into this situation with that headset and here's Mindset. the here's the thing. Even if someone, um, for me in my personal experience, even if someone reaches for that tool and says, "I'm going to take this really blunt instrument and jab it in," <laughs> that's how I look at that one. Um, and and passive aggressively changes their schedule and stuff. I really truly believe that the reason that we reach for things like that is because we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. In the sense that for most of those people, it's that they don't know how to have hard conversations they know that they should be having. Like they know Mm -hmm. that it's wrong to be passive aggressive and change Mm -hmm. someone's schedule, but they are so conflict averse or they don't know how to say to someone, hey, this is a behavior issue I need you to change. And so that is how they try and solve the solution. I mean, how they try and solve the problem. And so for me, I can I can look at that and give a little bit of a, a pass from what you're saying, Andy, in the sense that they're not doing it because they're a vindictive, bad person and they want to harm that person. They're doing it because they don't have the right tools. And so that's part of why I was so fired up to talk about this, because nothing drives me crazier (laughs) than when I know that people are acting because they don't know the words or how to say the words that should be used. Yeah. Yeah. And they're they're also unprepared. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't. They haven't. I, I I empathize with this. I I, I get it. I, when I say they're unprepared, I guess what I'm talking about is systems, protocols, clear expectations. Yes. They, like this is where that stuff becomes so valuable. Yes. Um, and so when I say they're unprepared, I say a lot of places don't have this, and they, so they don't have vital tools in the toolbox 
for dealing with these sorts of problems. So I, I think what, what you and I should do, let, we'll talk a little bit about some Headspace stuff, and then we can talk about tackling this problem here, and, and we can talk about what you need to do to make sure mm-hmm. that you don't end up in this position in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, cool. Headspace, the world is messy. This is a prime example of messiness. This is not a clean, simple solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the job of being a leader is to balance needs and priorities, which means it is not choose the practice or choose this person, you know, be kind or take care of your people, mm-hmm. uh, give this person what they want uh, and screw over everybody else. Like, no, it's about this person has needs and they have concerns and you have needs and you have concerns. The practice owner has needs and they have concerns and the rest of the staff has needs and they have concerns each individually and as a group. And as the manager, you are balancing these needs, uh, not picking a favorite and ejecting another one from the island. And let me tell you, it's really hard. Like as a, as a manager, it, I, I empathize so much because our job of balancing all of those things is one of the Mm -hmm. hardest jobs to do because I have worked with very few managers in my career who haven't been very compassionate and caring people and they care about all of the people. And so when you're in the middle of that swirling tornado of everybody's needs going around you, it can be really hard to see through the chaos and, and decide how do you deal with this without upsetting the balance. Yeah. Well, when we end up dealing with people who are struggling for whatever reason, whether it's a chronic pain problem, you know, some medical condition, mental health mm-hmm. things, things like that, it is a balance of being compassionate and supportive of that person mm-hmm. and at the same time also being supportive and compassionate of the rest of the team and the clients who are coming yes. to get their pets taken care of. You know, and yes. we we are really trying to balance all of those needs. And I, to me, it, it gives me some healthy perspective to think of it that way. Yeah. And I will I will give a kind of more solution than headspace driven um, point here, which is that, you know, when you have someone who is struggling, who has some some health concerns or, um, you know, uh, I, I have I have worked with team members who have had physical concerns or mental health concerns. And I've been that person where when you start a new medication and you're off balance and you don't feel like yourself and it affects every part of how you interact. And it is okay as manager to be able to have a conversation with that person and say, I see you. I see how this is impacting you. I know that this must be hard. I want to support you. And it is okay to support that person and still make it very clear what you need from a business perspective and be able to say to them, you know, I, I can't have you here if you're spending half your shift in the bathroom throwing up like that's not Mm -hmm. good for you and it's not good for the team so I'm happy to help uh you know help you fill out paperwork for leave of absence or uh you know why don't you go home and let's see how you're feeling on Monday and come back you can you can be solution driven and still be supportive of that person as a human being yeah I I think you have to be I, I think I think you have to be Let's um let's pause here for a second and then we'll come back and we'll get into what we're going to actually do. Okay. 
Hey guys, I have something coming up that you absolutely do not want to miss. If you have a new grad or a recently graduated doctor who is joining your practice, you want to check out the upcoming class that we have happening on May 30th. It is a workshop with the amazing and talented Dr. Lindsay Gallagher. She is doing a new grad mentorship 2.0 class where she is going to be diving into how to support new grads in your practice, how to set them up for success, recognize common new grad challenges and how to spot them early on and really supercharge your mentorship skills so that the new grad uh, joining your practice is going to learn faster, work smarter and absolutely bond and love you for having them in your practice. So if that sounds like something you'd be into, check it out. Come on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash upcoming dash events. See you guys there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, sort this problem out. Okay. I like it. Whenever we talk about uh, illness, whether it's mental illness, physical illness, pain, anything medical related, um, my go-to advice is involve your employment lawyer. I mean, I just, that seems so, that very much seems like overkill in my hillbilly brain <laughs> in some ways. And another way I'm like, don't, don't, you don't want to touch this. Like you, there's just so many, um, so many HR uh, landmines are, yes. around here. And I'd say, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say and what I can't say. And, you know, that that's, and that's just something that ties a lot of people's hands. So they go, well, I don't want to say anything that's wrong or that might come back and get me in trouble later or that's going to really upset this person uh, and, you know and so they say nothing mm-hmm. and i go okay saying nothing is bad strategy yeah uh, this that's i'm not helping them i'm not helping me i'm not helping my team this is a bad idea yeah pay the 250 dollars an hour yes to go talk to your legal advisor and say this is what i'm looking at this is what i know uh, this is what i don't know um this is what's going on how can i talk to this person or what do i need to not talk to this person about or what is what are the give me some advice on how to manage this situation this person who's clearly struggling with medical issues when i'm not allowed to talk about her medical issues and really know about her medical issues Uh, and i want to be supportive but i also want to manage this person uh so that the rest of the team feels that they're being treated fairly And one of the things I love about that piece of advice is that so often in veterinary medicine, we are existing in little family bubbles as functional or dysfunctional as they may Mm -hmm. be in our individual practices. A lot of us have like a family unit. And unfortunately, (laughs) from an HR perspective, that means that everybody's usually all up in everybody else's business. And the reality is in veterinary medicine, more than any other fields that I've ever worked in, the HR nightmares abound. And so what I love about talking to your employment attorney is that you may, as the practice owner or the practice manager, have a lot more information. And if you share that with your your employment lawyer and you review it with them, they are this great outside perspective who has the education and the training and the ability to say, I know that that matters to you as a human being. You need to forget you know any of that <laughs> because here's how you have to approach it from a legal <laughs> a legal perspective. That's exactly the type of advice I'm looking for. Is, right, yeah, because you're right. Because I, I do care and I right. do want to be supportive and it's good for them to say, 
Um, I'm not your friend. I'm your lawyer. And right. I'm telling you, you, you need to forget all of that. Right. Go, because, okay. Because we want to practice with our hearts. And that's what mm-hmm. we do all day with our patients. And so we think that applying that same heart logic to solving the problems with our employees is a good idea. And it is to a point. And then past that point, it gets us in really, really hot water. And even if it doesn't come back to bite you in this particular instance, I promise at some point you or one of your colleagues will have to come back and bite you. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I completely agree. The other thing I would say about the employment attorney is don't wait until yeah. you're sure that you're going down the termination path to go talk to them. I, I see that a lot of people are like, well, you know, I think we're I, we I think we really need to get rid of this person and this or this is really hurting our business. Let's go talk to the lawyer. And, and by that point, uh, you've already done seven things that uh, that if documented could come back and really hurt you. Yes. And uh, the employment lawyer is going to say, you need to start a formal process that's going to take a long time and you have done nothing. And so now you're starting at square one. Right. Uh, and you're like, this person has become toxic over the last three years. Uh, yeah, you you missed you missed a couple of tricks along the way. Yeah. So I, I actually agree with you and it makes my makes my little HR heart so happy that that's the first thing yeah. that you say, because that's especially in private practice. So often that is a step that we miss or that we don't is a trick we don't reach for, like you said, until we're way too far down the path and we probably should have reached for it six months ago. So talking to your attorney in terms of knowing how to handle the process is super, super smart. And lots of, um, you know, lots of veterinarians are very frugal people and they have and I, I appreciate that so much um, when it comes to running the business. And at the same time, this is not a place to skimp. And so, the, you know, know that there are options out there. I think a lot of us don't reach for it because we're like, oh, it's going to cost me $500 for an hour to talk to this person. But so many employment lawyers have programs where you pay them on retainer and you pay a set amount a month. And for that amount, you get X number of consult hours. Like, talk to who you're using and figure out if if the person you're using is is too expensive for you to be able to pick up the phone once a month if necessary find someone else because there are so many options out there and it has to be a business expense that you factor into running a, a smart business yeah i mean there's a certain there's certain places where you spend the money like get a good accountant get a good employment lawyer yeah get a good therapist yes those are, those, are, you know, those are three areas you don't want some Yahoo just jerking around, yes. uh, making making it up on the fly. Like, just get get somebody good, get this yeah. problem under control. That's what that's what that's what we want. Yeah. So, okay, um, employment lawyer. That yes. that for me, that's step one. Step two is once you kind of know where the boundaries are, you have to manage this person. Yes. And you have to you have to manage them just like you should be managing everybody else. And um, I'm not. I, Oh, hold on. Let me let me step back from that a second. So, so I say we're going to manage this person. First thing you need to do is get realistic expectations of what it means to manage this person. And I see this game that <laughs> that people play that is ridiculous. It is the um, it's the crystal ball gazing game where I have this employee and they come in and they're there for that's their first ninety days and I am peering at them trying to see their future and they also are on pins and needles because they do not know what they're doing because they're brand new and they're also (laughs) on their absolute best behavior and they are consciously probably hiding any bad behaviors 
Sure. Because they're trying to make a first impression. Sure. And and because they're being on their best behavior, I am super heightened awareness of anything they do. I'm like, was, was, did he just say yes? Does that... Did that sound curt to you? Did that sound blunt? Is, is he going to be... Was that, I mean, was it rude? It didn't. I don't know that it was rude, but like, would it have been rude six months from now? I don't know. And and they're just, they start grasping at straws, trying to see the future. And, and it becomes this ridiculous guessing game of, boy, I got to pay close attention to this person or else it's going to get bad. And that's just, that's ridiculous. You know, um, there's, of course, we don't want to be willfully ignorant of yeah. someone's behaviors when they come into our team and they're integrating in. Of course not. At the same time, at some point, we have to uh, take people at, at their word, you know, and and trust that they are kind of who they say they are and, and you know, pay attention. But but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I see a lot of I see a lot of sort of guessing and um, we're not going to say anything for 90 days and, and we're just going to watch them closely and hit the ejector button if we see signs of trouble down the road. And to me, oftentimes what happens is if you have clear evidence in the first 90 days, this is not going to work, then you should do something with that, right? When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Uh, and I'm not talking about the medical stuff. I'm talking about uh, employee management stuff. But the rest of the time, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to get more information and more information comes with time and we're going to have to travel down this road. Uh, to see what's true and what's not. Well, and here's where I start to get fired up. So what I see happen a lot is um, exactly what you said, which is that you, if in their first 90 days, things are happening and it it is very obviously becoming a pattern and it's probably not going to work out. I am a huge fan for hire slow and fire mm-hmm. quick. Um, however... <laughs> So, 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 so many managers, particularly in veterinary medicine, um, treat the first 90 days like a vacuum and they hire someone and then they just let 90 days happen. And then at the end of 90 days, they they use the probationary period as an ejection button. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I haven't talked to you in the past 90 days about any of this litany of things that I'm now irritated with, but we're at 90 days and I've decided you're not going to fit. So there's the door. Don't let it hit you on yeah. the way out. And that makes me so freaking angry because I look at that um, so, so strongly as, dude, that's not their fault. That's my fault as a manager. If I let 90 days happen in a vacuum and I don't say anything to them, or I maybe mention it once at the beginning and then don't say anything f- until the point that I'm saying, hey, you know, here's here's a write up because this whole list of things has happened. And unfortunately, you know, we're still within the 90 days. And so we've just decided it's not a good fit. You know, thank you. Thank you for your time. Like That's me doing a really piss poor job as a manager, because where was the managing over the last 90 days? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what that's what makes me so, so crazy about this is too many of us look at this as an empty bubble and just let the 90 days happen. And so this is where I think we have to, before we point a finger at someone else, we have to take a look at the three fingers pointing back at us and say, did we set this person up for success or did we set them up for failure? And I would argue that if you're letting someone go for issues that they're not aware of, you 100% set them up for failure. Yeah. I, I just, I really like that as a, as a classic sort of rule of thumb. Um, 
if this person is surprised to be let go, uh, they they were failed yes. by by management in some way. Yes. Like they should get that feedback that this is not working out. Yeah. And so going back to some of the, you know, some of the letters we got in the mailbag, one of them was saying they ha- they have a, a person who is um, struggling with some challenges and they're they're adjusting to some medications. And so they're having attitude problems. They're grumpy. They're snapping with their team members. They're, um, you know, have snapped with some clients. And so um, their supervisor came to the practice owner and said, hey, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm worried that this is going to start to continue to be a problem with the clients. And so I feel like we should do something about this. And so the response it sounded like from the practice owner was, well, let's just remove them from some of the situations with clients. Let's put them on shifts where they have less exposure to clients at the front desk. Let's kind of manage them by reducing their schedule. And that kind of response is what makes me so crazy because the first step should just be the classic Andy Rourke hallway mention, you yeah. know, which is what, what happened? What's, what's going on with you? You don't seem like yourself today. How, how are you doing? Yeah, th- th- that's exactly it. Uh, you know, as soon as soon as you start to see these things, especially early on the mention, like, Hey, what happened there? Hey, that's not like you. Are you doing okay? How are you feeling but, today? I mean, it, it's just, it is amazing how often just letting someone know, hey, I saw that. And often they didn't even really realize it. And, it, you know, we all struggle to see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Very, like, That is just, it's hard to see yourself. So when someone says to you, that wasn't like you, a lot of times that's news to us. We go, oh, I guess that did maybe not come off the way that I, that I wanted to, or mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention and I was less kind than I generally am, something like that. So a lot of times that that's all you need to sort of correct the behavior. But yeah, I, I think just moving them to some t- to some random times that they're less likely to have, you know, interactions, <laughs> stressful interactions with the clients. So that's not a good idea. But yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's all that's all the hands on that I'm talking about. And you see, um, I'm not trying to again, I'm not I'm not trying to treat them differently than anybody else. I really am saying, hey, What's going on? This is, the mention is what happened. What happened? Yes. What's going on? This isn't like you. And then the follow-up conversation is more of a, a direct in the moment conversation. Say, hey, can we talk real quick about that last client? When you said this, it made her physically draw back. What? What? Let, let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. What's What's going on? And I'm having a little bit more direct conversation about the behavior. And again, I'm not, I'm not being a jerk here. I'm not coming down on them. Uh, you know, this isn't a closed door meeting, but it is very much like, Hey, I saw this. It's, it's, you know, the, the analogy that people use that I like a lot is, uh, you know, our clinic is a car and it's heading down the freeway at 60, 70 miles an hour. Um, I want my hands kind of on the wheel and I'm going to be sort of constantly touching it. I'm not going to just take my hands off and let it go and then try to yank it back onto the road when things are about to get real bad. It's the oh same thing gosh. with this. I mean, that person needs to be managed. And, and the other thing is, uh, a lot of times if, if you, if you live your clinic values and you, you know, and you give the feedback as you go, a lot of people will decide I'm not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this is not where I need to be. And they may leave in the first 90 days. That's fine. You know? I, I think honestly, you're doing a service because if you're like, this is what I expect, and they go, I'm not doing what you expect, that's fine. Let's both figure it out as fast as possible and go on with our lives and not continue to do this dance that's going to get increasingly uncomfortable. Well, and to your point there, having been the person who has gone through some serious medical 
situations as an employee, I can't tell you how overwhelmingly guilty I have felt about knowing that I wanted to do a better job and knowing that I wanted to be able to be at work or serve my team better or serve my clients better and just physically and mentally not being able to do it. And so when I have had the kindness and compassion from managers or practice owners or medical directors who have said, hey, you just don't seem like yourself, what's going on? Or when the behavior has continued, or I've had another call out because I was sick, sitting down and having the conversation and saying, hey, I see you, I see that this situation is is happening, and I want to know how I can help. The ability to take that guilt off and say, I have not wanted to say anything because I was trying really, really hard to do my best for the team, but mm. I just don't know that I can do this. Having that, having them mention it often creates just enough space for me to be honest with, mm. with sometimes in front of them with myself for the very first time, because I'm not a quitter. I don't want to give up. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to acknowledge that I'm doing a, cra a crappy job, but there have 100% been times in my life where I've been that employee who's doing a crappy job because I just can't do it. And so I have felt so much better when someone has said, Hey, I see you, you know, do you, do you need to change your schedule? Do you need a leave of absence? Like, what can I do to support you? Because I didn't want to I saw myself in the moment as weak to go to them and say, hey, I feel like I need to take some time off or I need to take a break because often in those situations, particularly when medical situations are at play, you've already taken time off. You've already had to call out. You've already missed shifts. And so going to your boss and saying, hey, I think the best thing for everybody right now would be for me to take a break or to take a leave of absence. Like that's a really hard thing to do because you can be so I know I felt so racked with guilt. And so for my manager or my boss to create that space where it was okay and safe for me to say, yeah, I like I would love to talk about that because I feel bad not giving my all to my team. I feel bad calling out and knowing that my team is going to have to cover for me again today. Like that's where we have to look at each other as humans. Mm -hmm. And as a manager, you 100% are 10 million times better off if you balance the compassion and the needs of the business and say, hey, look, I see this and I want to help you and I need to staff the practice. And so consistently having to cover for you is not going to continue to work. Like We've got to come up with a better solution for this that we as the manager, I know how it feels to feel like, is this the right thing to do? And, and really it, it is because if we just ignore it, if we pretend like life is happening in a vacuum, that's when it blows up in our face and it's usually not, not a good thing. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. It's interesting. You know, we talk about moving, moving their schedule or shortening their schedule. It's a lot of this comes from, comes from what the person needs. I, I think that that colors all of this, right? Mm -hmm. If I reduce their schedule because they're struggling and they're overwhelmed and they're on board with, you know, having a lighter load so that they can uh, be their best when they're here, mm -hmm. then that I don't have a problem with. I don't see that as a bad thing. You know, yes. I've, we've all probably worked with people who said, I need to cut my schedule down for a little while because I've got some other things that I'm going through. And we say, you know, I want to be supportive of that. 
uh, moving their schedule to a time when it's not as high volume for clients as part of a training program, you know, something to help, you know, strengthen Mm -hmm. them in their skills Mm -hmm. and get them up and get them comfortable uh, to the place that they can they can handle those, you know, um, the the needs of, of the heaviest parts of the day again. It's not if it's not punishment, if it's part of a development program to support this person, those are wildly different things. And so I just want to point that out and say this person needs to be booked nine to five like everybody else. And if you don't do that, then you're being a jerk. That's not true. Uh, It it really is about talking to them about what are their needs. And then also we're working together to get them where they need to be. The fundamental difference in what you said, Andy, is that you talk to them about. Yeah. This is this is a I'm using this as a solution. And here's here's why I want to do this, because it's going to give you more opportunities to, uh, you know, work one on one in a slower pace with clients because there's less clients coming in the door during this time frame or whatever. You're using that as a tool and you're having the conversation with them where it is wrong is when you reach for it in the hopes of if I do this, if I know that I have a full-time employee who needs full-time hours and I cut their hours, well, they'll just quit and take care of the problem for me. When you're using that as a solution to get out of having the conversation that you know that you should be having, that's when it really just chaps me. (laughs) Well, that's, and that brings us to the last, the last part of this. And I think that's, this probably chaps you for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons that we end up here is because a lot of practices do not have the HR framework in place to walk people through a legal organized Mm -hmm. process to treat them fairly and ultimately part ways with them. Yes. Right. Like you can't write someone up for an infraction when there's no handbook indicating that this is an infraction. Mm -hmm. Like those, those things are really hard to do. If you have no guidelines, if you have no job description, you cannot write this person up for not fulfilling their job description. Mm-hmm. You know, that stuff doesn't hold water. And yep. so if you don't have any of that stuff and uh, this person is struggling and you say, well, I, you know, I'm not equipped to talk to them about their medical condition and I'm not going to do that. And also I don't have anything to manage their performance to. Right. Then, you know, you say, well, I, I don't I don't have any tools to support this person or to objectively quantify that this is not working or they are not going to be able to fulfill this job. Yes. And we need to, for the sake of the business or the team, to part ways with them. You, you can't check those boxes. And now you are stuck. And that's why we end up having people doing this stuff that's frankly bullshit. Yes. Of, of trying to make this person miserable until they quit. You know, and that, that's that's why I think that it happens. I would agree with you. And I think that the, it happens during two particular time frames consistently. One is at the 90 days, because a lot of us are in um, states where you can have a probationary period. And if you let someone go for any reason during the probationary period, it's fair game. You don't have to have the documentation, it's, in, you, you know, a lot of us are in an at-will state where, where technically we can let someone go at any at any time for any reason, but um, it becomes a lot easier to do if you are in a place where you have a probationary period. It's like a free pass. And the other one is it happens when you have a team member who hasn't been getting managed and the only tool that that manager or practice owner knows how to use is the annual review. 
And mm-hmm. so they reach for that and they say, hey, we're going to sit down. And we're going to talk about your, your uh, you know, your performance over the last year, because that gives them a framework to say, there are all these problems. I've witnessed all of these problems and now I'm documenting them. And that's a really, really crappy way to try and manage the situation because it does so much more harm than good. But I don't completely begrudge those managers or those practice owners for reaching for those tool to those two tools because I agree with you 100% way too often so many of our practices are unprepared with the tools they should be using and the framework that they can use to manage this consistently on a regular basis and so those are the only two tools that they have think that that they that they think that they have to reach for yeah no i i i, do, I agree with that i um you know, I talk a lot about about we know we know a bit about training animals, and I say I don't care how smart you are. You're a simple animal. I don't care how many degrees you have. You're you're a simple animal. No one trains their uh, no one trains their faithful Labrador by bringing them in uh, every couple of weeks and just giving them all the treats for all the good stuff that they've done over yeah. the last two weeks and 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 uh, and growling at them for things they did bad like that that's ridiculous uh, training people and I don't care how smart they are uh, is is no different you know what I mean like waiting three months to say oh one time you said this to a client and I didn't like that um, and I'm like I have no recollection of saying anything <laughs> like that I have no recollection. That, that probably was not me that does not sound like what I would say right um, like that's, those are the types of, of, of interactions that we have and you go well this is ridiculous uh, we, you've, we've got to you know we, we just have to have those tools to manage the people and sort of say this is was expected um, I noticed that that you know that you you didn't do that this time can we talk about that or help me understand what's going on or hey you know that's not how we treat people here what happened yeah and i think i think that's the problem is so often we forget that it's just as simple as training our patients and we're gonna you know we're gonna get more with with positive rewards in the moment Mm -hmm. for the behavior that they just gave us and so when we have good positive behavior we want to reward it and so often we we think Okay, we know that um, you know we know that we need to give them a concrete example. We we know that we should be telling them specifically this is the thing that you did that was wrong or that was inappropriate or ineffective or whatever the reasoning is. This is the behavior I want you to change. Or and so we we give them a concrete example. And the problem is so often giving them that concrete example, it is the first time they've heard it. And you're giving them something that sticks out in your mind because it really pissed you off, but it happened three months ago. And so for that person, it's like, I don't, I don't remember that day. I don't, I don't even remember that happening. Um, and, and they're not, they're not bad because they don't remember. Like if you really wanted them to change that behavior, you need to start saying in the moment or that same day or the next day, Hey, Sarah, yesterday, when you when this thing happened with this client, it really bothered me. And and I would like to sit down and chat with you about it. Or, you know, when you have a few minutes later today, can we, you know, go sit outside and just talk through this? Because it, you know, I, I felt really uncomfortable with it or whatever it is. Like, time is our enemy here. And and for so many of us, we really struggle with um, how do we just how do we just have the mention? And it and it seems so easy you know when when you give us the example andy like hey <laughs> what just happened with that client it seems so easy but it takes 
practice, you guys. None of this just happens or comes naturally. Andy is a born comedian, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't practice. That doesn't mean that he doesn't go, you know, not when it's not COVID, go to comedy practice on a regular basis and work on that skill. It's the same for me as a manager. If I don't do it regularly, I am out of practice and it feels uncomfortable and awkward. And so what do we do when something feels uncomfortable and awkward? As human beings, we are conditioned in our caveman brain to walk away from that and walk towards something that makes us feel comfortable and okay. And so we just don't do it. And so that's where we, you have to practice and it's not going to be perfect. Um, But that's okay. Communicating with low stakes is a real skill. They, I, I mean, I had to practice a lot, and mm-hmm. I'm sure other people do too, is how do you say things uh, without making people think this is a big deal? Yeah. You know, and that's, it's everybody, you have to, it's really hard to teach because it has to sound natural coming from your mouth. Otherwise, yeah. as soon as people say, you're, you're saying a script, as soon as you go, can I be radically candid with you? You're like, <laughs> what? That's, that's not a normal thing to say. You read that in the book. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? It's got it. It has to feel good in your mouth and it just has to kind of sound the way that you sound. And it has to kind of send this message of this is not a big deal. And then you can't you can't surprise people. You can't be like, hey, can we talk real quick? Uh, you're fired. Uh, that, that can't that can't happen. It, you know, it, it has you've got to you have to behave in a consistent pattern where they go. Yeah. Oh, he said it wasn't a big deal. And it's not a big deal. And he's and he has moved on clearly and he's not secretly mad at me, but telling me it's not a big deal. Like you, you and that all takes it takes work and it takes effort and it takes self-awareness. And it, it, these are these are slow earned skills, but everybody can get better at them. And, and we have to keep working on them. You know, the other thing that we can do, and this is a, just a no brainer, if you're bringing someone in and it's the first 90 days and you want to be successful, you got to have effective onboarding. Yes. Yeah, you, you do. do. And if you're like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how do. to have effective onboarding, <laughs> Stephanie Goss is doing an effective onboarding masterclass. It is May 19th. She's doing the paperwork. And May 26th, she's doing the people. And it is two hours each session, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time, both times, May 19th, May 26th. And she's got an office hour in between uh, just to help sort out any questions that you have. It is free to Uncharted members. And I'll put a link down in the show notes below uh, on how to register. I am I am so excited for this part, you guys, because um, this is uh, this is a course that or a class that I've wanted to give um, for Uncharted since we started it, and it comes from a place of having made a whole freaking lot of mistakes myself and in in the practice owners that I've worked with over the years, and also um, taking some business courses and looking outside of veterinary medicine and analyzing how do other businesses do these things and realizing that um, there are a lot of things where we could take some pointers from from other people who've done it a lot longer than we have and um, and tried some things that maybe didn't work so well and and learned from those mistakes. And I think that's, um, you know, a lot of times people ask me like, you seem so comfortable and confident when you said that to me. Like I've even had team members say, I could tell that you were upset, but you didn't seem mad. And that that takes practice. Like I didn't just wake up one day and figure out how to talk to my team like this. I, I got here after making a whole lot of freaking mistakes. 
and and having conversations go really, really badly. So if you are one of those managers who, um, you know, sent in an email to us or are sitting here thinking, are they talking about me? Are they, wait, are they talking about my clinic? Because I have that person on my team. I know that you're not alone, you guys. This is, this is really, really hard stuff. And it takes practice and repetition and um, it takes giving yourself some breaks. And so I would say, um, obviously, come hang out and talk about effective onboarding with me. But um, even even more than that, just know that um, you got to do your job as a manager. And if the first time that you're giving um, feedback about someone's performance to them is during a performance review, you, you're not doing your job effectively enough. Like you've got to work harder at talking to people in the moment, because I promise you, if you give them examples at a 90 day review that happened within their first three or four weeks, it's probably not going to resonate for them. And it's probably not going to go very, very well. So, you know, just, just know that part of the job in managing is you actually have to talk to people. You can't let 90 days happen in a vacuum. You can't just reach for the, the crutch, the crutches, truly crutches of, um, at the end of 90 days, if it's not working out, I can just let them go. You can, and you can have that turnover and you can add another person to your team, but I promise you're just going to keep having turnover until you start to acknowledge the fact that you have a duty as a manager and as a practice owner to effectively engage with your team on an ongoing basis. It can't just happen once a year when you do an annual review or at the end of their 90 days. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that's about all I got. You got anything else to add? Nope. This is a good one. Thanks for letting me get on my soapbox for a second. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Thanks for getting on your soapbox. Guys, take care. We will see you next time. Have a great week, guys. Thanks again for joining us this week, you guys. Andy and I love spending our time with you, and we thank you for sharing your time with us. I wanted to make sure that everybody knew about a class that is happening on May 30th. My friend, the amazing Dr. Lindsay Gallagher, is going to be doing her new grad mentorship 2.0 workshop. If you are a practice that has a new grad joining your practice this summer, you have to check this out. Lindsay did um, this class for the Uncharted conference previously after she had had her own experience as a new grad and that shaped her opinion on how we can do a great job and um, how we can continue to grow and improve for those new grads that are joining our practice. So if you want to set your new grad up for success, if you want to learn about common new grad struggles and how to spot them early on, and or if you just want to supercharge your mentorship skills so that the new grad joining your practice is going to learn faster, work smarter, and love you for it, come join us. It's $99. It's free for Uncharted members. You can sign up and find more information at unchartedvet.com forward slash upcoming dash events.